Um, so we're still uh, in the aftermath no, 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 no. of Tisha B'Av. Um, we know a lot of the things that we do to, to mourn for the destruction of the temple continue till midday today. Um, and it's... So let's discuss a little of that and connect it to the Parsha. We always look to take guidance from the Parsha to help guide us and give us perspective and how we should look at life, how we should look at what's going on. So I think there's a beautiful thought that we can, um, that we can take from the beginning of the parsha this week. Let's connect it first. We're, we're, we're talking about a day yesterday where the entire Jewish people, wherever they are, everyone with their own customs, which are pretty much the same, the halach is the same, what we do and what we don't do, um, where we sit and we, on one hand, mourn the destruction of the temple, of two temples, and the many other tragic things that happened on Tisha B'av. And at the same time, we hope, pray, and, uh, and ask Hashem to end, this, to end the Golos and to bring Mashiach. And we have both feelings, where we have a feeling of sadness and a feeling of hope. Right there, we have a connection to the Parsha, because at the beginning of the Parsha, it discusses Moshe hoping, Moshe had hope, where um, we see from Moshe how to be a, a persistent and a nudge and an annoying person. <laughs> you want to learn from someone how to be an annoying person? Look, just, just look at Moshe right in the beginning of the parasha. Why? Moshe um, knew, Hashem said, that you're not going to enter the land of Israel. You think Moshe just took it, took it like that? It says, Moshe starts the parasha, V'aschanan al Hashem, I begged Hashem, the name of the parasha V'aschanan, I begged that Hashem should allow me to go in. The Medrash says that if you take the word V'aschanan, and you take the numerical value of the word, okay, so tough is 400, right, this is big V'aschanan, um, the, there's two nuns, that's another 100, that's 500, um, V'aschanan, let's do it, I'm trying to do it together. 508. Yeah, five. Five oh nine. The Chas is fourteen. 14 15. So five hundred and fifteen is the numerical value of Eschana. And the Medrash says, based on that, that Moshe asked Hashem five hundred and fifteen times if he's allowed to go in. What? He's not one short. <laughs> so at five fifteen. Five fifteen. He asked five fifteen. Imagine. Imagine your kid asks you, Daddy, can I have ice cream? And you say, no. And he says again, no, 515 times. You would go out of your mind. You would take the kid and shove him in the room, lock the door. and (laughs) Some of us have those kids. But Moshe asked 515 times. He never gave up. (laughs) And we see that Hashem tells him, Rav Lach, and Rashi says, brings from, from the Gemara, that Hashem finally told Moshe, stop asking. People are going to say, Harav kama kosha Talmud kama sarvan. How difficult the teacher is, how harsh the teacher is, and how um, rebellious the student is. People are going to look at this relationship and say, what's going on here? Come on, God, 515 times? Do something about it. He obviously means it. So first of all, we learn from here how to be persistent. And how to be, a, and we think every year again, I mean, we, have, we don't live 515 years. But imagine every single year Tisha B'Av of our life. We again beg and want and want everything to end and mourn and cry. We want Mashiach to come. And every day we do this. Do we ever count how many times if you do it? Have we ever sincerely asked Hashem to finish, to bring Mashiach 515 times? 
So we see here from Moshe already a precedent. Why it's uh, why it's oh. So now the problem is the problem is the what? <clears throat> Moshe didn't take no. <laughs> if we at least go 550 times not taking a no. Um, so right here, it's, very, it's a very powerful thing that Moshe and the status that he was, and he wasn't a kid, he wasn't immature, and going and asking God 550, okay, enough of that. But the, what we see from here is um, the Parsha, the, the Haftar, the last Shabbos was called Shabbos Chazon, and we discussed that. This Shabbos is called Shabbos Nachamu, because Nachamu is the Haftar also, just like last week was Chazon. And Nachamu means comfort. And we begin the Haftaris of comfort, from now going from now till Rosh Hashanah. And the idea is comforting us. We're in Gullus. We're in a state of, of uh, still mourning. And we need to be comforted. So, so to speak, we come, we discussed last week about who's comforting who. If we're comforting God, is God, God is comforting us. Um, but uh, we need comfort. So let's see, this is not comforting at all. If you learn the beginning of the parish, how comforting is it? Moshe asked 515 times, and did he get it? No, <laughs> he didn't go in. That kind of gives us the message, yeah, you're going to ask 550 times, and God's not going to give in. What? Yet. yet. But God didn't give in to him. So, so what type of message is that giving us? <clears throat> it's definitely not a feeling, not a, not a message of comfort. So what, what message lies within what's going on here? Um, and I want to give an interesting twist on it. And that is that it continues right away where Hashem says, you're not going to go in, but Yeshua is going to go in. And he tells him, oh, <laughs> and he tells him um, to the first Josh of the Jewish people. Um, and he tells him to, to take, to, he tells him what to do, to take Yeshua and tell him what to do and instruct him. He's going to lead the Jewish people into the land of Israel. And right there lies the comfort and the answer for us, which is that we may not always understand God's plan. We will never. You say, if you understand everything God does, you would be God. Right? We, we, we may never understand everything Hashem does. And Hashem obviously had a plan and a reason. Ramosha wasn't going to be the one to take the Jewish people and then. There would have to be Yeshua, who we know that Yeshua wasn't of the same spiritual status and holy status as, as Moshe. Um, but it was necessary. And eventually leading to a Beis HaMikdash, a destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, another Beis HaMikdash, another destruction. Until now, we were waiting for Tha for 2,000 years for Mashiach to come. <clears throat> And the message here is that Hashem is telling us that, there's a, that there is a purpose and a reason for it to happen in such a way. And here we can give some explanation and understand it. Not saying that we can understand every tragic thing that happens. But here we can have some perspective. Which is, like we've, we've discussed many times here, that Hashem wants everything to happen from us. Moshe was on this high spiritual level where he had the ability to take the entire Jewish people to a very holy um, place. And it's, it's brought down that if Moshe would have brought the Jewish people into the land of Israel, it could have right away been the times of Mashiach. And there would have never been any destruction, any exile, no nation again um, uh, oppressing the Jewish people. It would have right away been a time of bliss, a time of serenity, a time of Mashiach. But that didn't happen. And the reason is in Hashem's plan, so to speak, is obvious. Hashem did not want it to happen in a way where it was supernatural. Hashem did not want it to happen in a way where it was just Moshe with his strong, intense powers just bringing the Jewish people to this place that they didn't even work on and that the world was not ready for. 
God wanted that the world and the lowest places in the world, not just the land of Israel, everywhere in the world, the most physical, mundane, and the lowest places and lowest people should be ready and should do the work, put the legwork in to make it happen. It shouldn't just be a one-man show doing it for the rest of the Jewish people. It should be everyone doing their part and putting, and, and it should be something coming from the people, coming from us, something that we work on and something that is on our level. Um, we always use the term, Dira B'Tachtoyna that God wanted from the Medrash, where it says God wanted a home in the lowest of places. Part of having a home in the lowest of places is by the lowest of people. The people that should be making it are people that work with the construction, work, work with the materialistic, the physical materials to build it. And from the, the low parts of our life, from the, the, the ingredients to this, the material for this home of God is all the, um, the struggles, the challenges, and all the, the mundane and physical things that we deal with. That is, those are the bricks. Those are the cement. That is what's, what's the material to build this home for God. And if it would have been just purely from Moshe, it wouldn't have had all that material. It wouldn't have had all that, it wouldn't have had a, 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 a cumulative effort of all the lowest of the Jewish people. And Yeshua, who was of a lower spiritual level, was, was going to be the one to bring them into the land of Israel and commence and start this journey. And the message to us is we may, we may think that we're in a, that, that, that we're in a very um, a low spiritual state compared to earlier generations. We may think that we, are, we have much less than many previous generations have. And we may feel incapable. What this tells us is that it's precisely what God wants. It's precisely the people that feel incapable spiritually. The people that feel that they're torn apart and uh, bombarded with all the physical, worldly things, it's specifically those people that are the right people to make the home for God. Because God does not want a home made out of the spiritual um, meditations. He wants a home made out of the physical world. And that happens by real physical people that are dealing with the low physical things. And it's very powerful. So yes, God did not gr grant Moshe his wish. He did not grant him his wish. But he did grant that every single Jew should have a part and should, from their own physical um, and incapable life in their eyes, should be the, the um, material and the, the driving force which will bring and make that home for God. And so it's very comforting and very powerful and very empowering coming right after Tisha B'Av, reading the parasha, showing you that yes, it may be Yeshua, it may not be Moshe. It may be another person and not the holiest person. And maybe the person in the generation that doesn't have a lot of guidance, doesn't have a lot of spirituality, and, uh, and very complicating, complex, and uh, crazy generation with many crazy things happening. But it's specifically us, and specifically people like us, which have what it takes to make the home in the lowest and physical place. The people of the earlier times that didn't deal with such physical things did not have that ability, did not have what it takes. So I think it's very powerful, very empowering, and it's a message that we can take continuing in the week. Continuing um, uh, um, uh, right after Tisha B'Av, we have this, we're coming off this, this time of, uh, we, we, we cry, we read Eicha, we, we say the Kinnis, and we say everything. And uh, immediately following that, it's a call, yeah, we are the people that are going to make it happen. We are. Um, L'chaim.